All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. If you love what you do for work, you'll never work a day in your life. This is a saying that we hear all the time through school, through university. We even see it in movies sometimes. But what does it actually mean and how simple is it to do? Because it's very simple to understand what that means, but putting it into practice is normally another thing. Today, we're lucky enough to be with Eleni Drakakis, who is a business psychologist and one of her specialties, which I, to be honest, am a massive fan of, is the career counseling side of what she does. And I wanted to talk today with Eleni about what someone should do in these situations when they want to apply that saying of doing what you love. And I want to say, Eleni, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yeah, well, mate, it's uh, likewise because, you know, as as a financial planner, I talk to people about their careers. I talk to them about work all the time. Um, and this is a topic that does come up quite a bit. And to be completely honest with you, I don't normally know how to approach it. Um, and I tell my clients that as well, that it's it's – it's definitely not something a financial advisor does, um, but it is something that I always like to help my clients with as we do, I guess, with any part of their lives. And before we jump straight into it, because I'm so excited to talk about this, because I know you're literally the expert on this topic. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what a business psychologist is um, and about what you do at the moment? Absolutely. Okay. So a business psychologist is a people scientist who inspires personal, professional and organizational change. So, you know, makes you a boss at what you do. So, you know, really trying to um, help people look inward and unlock their outward magic, right? Because what I find is that people always have their own, their own answers to their questions, right? Yeah. And once you can help people create that space, um, they typically are able to find their direction and purpose themselves. So that's what I love to do with people across the different contexts um, that I work in. Okay. And, and I understand that you work with, you're working with Griffith University at the moment, supporting their business psychologists and their training as well. Yeah, it's wonderful. I really enjoy doing that and giving back to the profession. So um, I've got a really good opportunity with those postgraduate students to really look at them, not only in terms of their kind of technical skill and development as a corporate psychologist, but also looking at each of them in terms of their values and motivations, their strengths, what kind of um, placement, you know, is going to be good for them, government, private sector, um, industry type, and kind of, you know, give them those well-rounded kind of real-life work opportunities to kind of, um, you know, grow and thrive and, and, and become fully-fledged business psychologists. Yes, and and, I'm, and to me it comes across as such a niche because I think the first time I had a client say to me, Michael, I hate what I do, I need to do something different, can you help me? You know, we literally sat there together Googling it, trying to figure out who actually does this type of stuff. Because on one hand, you don't really want to see a shrink or some or somebody that you may not feel comfortable seeing because, you know, they don't specialize in this particular area. And at the same time, we don't really want to sit there Googling things, you know. So I guess if somebody was to come to you, well, if but when people come to you, yes, telling you that they want a career change, 
can you sort of talk through the first steps and what's actually involved and probably what the best where the best place is to start? Absolutely. So when people kind of come to me and saying that they want a career change or they've just, you know, hit a crossroads and, and they're not quite sure what they want anymore, um, I think it's the perfect opportunity to just stop and have a chat um, and understand what's going on for them, right, both in their personal life um, and professionally, right, because you've really got to start with understanding the whole person, where they've been, where they're at, and what they're thinking about for the future. Yes. And when it comes to, for example, I guess somebody's work experience, because some people, for example, do what they do because they've always done the same thing. Like, you know, for example, somebody will finish school and whether they go to university or not or do any study after school, they get into a particular occupation and then they work their way up that ladder or that career ladder, if you want to call it that. And then they move to a different department, but essentially they stay within the same type of job. Where, where, I mean, what, what type of question should someone ask themselves and what, how should they sort of approach that when looking at something completely different? Because, yes. I mean, somebody that works as a nurse, for example, she might be suited being a firefighter, you know? I know. My biggest transformation actually in terms of a, um, a coachee, a person that I've worked with was a family friend of mine um, who about 10 years ago, he um, straight out from school, he went and worked um, as a mechanic in his dad's business um, that was connected to the service station that he owned on the, on the outskirts of Brisbane and now he is a commercial pilot. Wow. So all his friends laughed at him. No one believed that it was possible, but yep. he was so committed to this dream, right? And it was just simply from asking him that question that if there were no barriers to, you know, what would your dream job be or what would the ideal look like for you? And this guy, hats off to him and his wife, um, she was really supportive of him. They made it happen. And he today is in his dream job and has been for several years. Wow. How powerful is that? Like, so essentially you, you ask them to sort of take away their barriers or their, their doubts and just impossibilities, I guess, or, what, you know, take away what they think they're able to do and just think, what would you do if there was no barriers, if there's nothing stopping you? Because I guess that's what it is, isn't it? Like, I'm sure there's always something that's stopping someone from taking that step or because absolutely yeah. and a lot of the time it's not just kind of a lack of technical skill or experience or uni degree sometimes it's just the lack of confidence or you know how do we go about changing your mindset from I can't to I can yes All right and yes. and I, I love talking about you know um, this particular family friend of mine because he really felt like he had no experience right he'd just gone straight from high school into his father's family business um, and hadn't had any you know greater exposure from a work perspective other than that you know and he kind of got to the stage where he was 25 and he just thought I cannot live my life like this you know it's killing me inside um so yeah you know what I mean anyone can make the change if they want so don't don't fret about like I haven't had the right setup or experience up until now where there's a will there's a way so it's all about kind of unlocking that will and once you unlock that will um, you know, then we can work together to create that pathway to success. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes so much sense because if you think about it, somebody that's always worked in something, especially because their parent, because their family's in that particular business or that industry, usually that's all they know. Like somebody, for example, that, you know, let's say their grandparents owned a supermarket and then their parents owned a supermarket. And for those people, moving into something different would just be weird. Uh-huh. Um, so, 
and I think that's where it helps having someone like yourself to have these discussions with and be like, Hey, listen, you know, this is, this is what you've done. And this is something that you're really good at, but yeah. What else would you like to do? And I guess worst case scenario, I think it's important and this applies to anything, but just to understand that it's okay to fail because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think some people, I mean, me personally, if I was to change jobs, my, one of my biggest fears would be going to study something and then figuring out six months or a year later that I don't enjoy it. And then feeling like I've just failed or wasted six or 12 months of my life. Yes. And you know, what you've made me think about is that not everyone's career changes are as dramatic as the example I've just given, right? Uh, more yep. often than not, it's like a step change type of approach. Um, yep. So Michael, we have a mutual family friend that you know. And um, so uh, she uh, was a mechanical engineer. And when she met her husband, he's got a financial planning business. And, you know, she was really able to look at her transferable skills that she had from her corporate career as a mechanical engineer, not only the technical skills, but also some of the process skills around project management. And that really helped her transition into her husband's business. Um, And, you know, together they've really been able to transform and really grow that business. And I believe that's because they've been able to take the kind of the best of both of their skill set together Mm. so Mm. you know you you can't pigeon your whole pigeonhole yourself just in one kind of you know industry or kind of profession because we actually have so many transferable skills that we learn um, and acquire during our kind of our our career trajectory and the different roles that we take kind of within that industry or profession so while you may primarily be a financial planner it sounds like to me you're quite a quite a good coach, you're quite a good advisor, um, you know, you're really good at spotting opportunities, um, you know, so those are all transferable skill sets that you would, that they're portable. So, you know, I always like to spend a lot of time with the people that I'm coaching and working with really trying to unpack what are those portable and transferable skills that you have so that that transition or that step change doesn't seem so scary, right? And you're actually yes. setting people up to success, um, setting people up for success because, of course, we do want to minimize failure um, while not kind of holding people back from feeling like they can be, um, you know, creative and innovative and take a risk and kind of try out something new or different. Something new or different, yeah, because new and different's never easy. Nope. Um, you mentioned something really important and you brought up a really valid point about partners like with um, – you know, changing careers and having a partner, Uh having the support of your partner. Uh Um, To me, like a lot of people that listen to this podcast show are couples. And, and I think as a, as a, as a couple, um, if one person does want to change careers or do anything like this, that's significant. Like even just, even just going to uni sometimes is a struggle uh, when you've got children, because obviously that's sometimes less time that you'll be with the family, which means the other person has to pick up the slack, I guess, or, or pick up the extra work. Um, what tips can you give in that situation? And are there any experiences that you can share? Because I'm sure that's sometimes something that might actually hold someone back thinking, oh my God, you know, yeah. if I go and study, that means, um, you know, <clears throat> my wife or my husband need to be with the kids more and, you know, then they're going to be stressed out with work and, you know, it's, I'm sure this, I'm sure it's, it's real and it happens. Absolutely. And that's why I often like to start with the life plan, okay? That's actually the title of a book um, by a lady called Shana Kennedy. So I can send you the link to that. I don't know if you pop links under the podcast for people. Um, but yep. I always like to start out with something like looking at people's life in its entirety, 
right, or a couple's, you know, situation it's in its entirety, just like I'm sure you would use a very similar process in financial planning, right, because a work part is only one slice of the pie. So yeah. you, you've really got to understand, so, um, you know, physical health, mental health, finances, career, passion, hobbies, personal environment, um, you know, all those different types of areas of our lives. So what's your goal um, in those areas? What are potential obstacles you can see for change? What kind of pathway can we outline? What does a good outcome look like for you, right? So really looking at um, things more broadly than just work um, and then sitting underneath all of that, actually trying to unlock and articulate what's people's values, what's really important to that couple, uh, you know, because that will ultimately, your values and your motivation ultimately determine, um, you know, what feels like a passion and a hobby instead of work, right? So once you want to do something, um, it's really easy. It doesn't feel like work anymore. So it's really important to take that inward look um, deep down what are the values for, for each member of the couple and then how do you want to design your ideal life and where does work fit into that process? Yeah, And I guess it's, it sort of goes back to investing 101 in that, you know, the higher the risk, the higher the return and the lower the risk, the lower the return. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you go for the safer option with no risk, which is literally just keep doing what you're doing, keep working where you're working, even if you don't enjoy it, the return's going to be very low compared to putting in that extra effort and, you know, taking a risk. Um, for that greater benefit. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. Michael, I'm sure you see it as well is that sometimes these changes are not always planned. So I um, just this morning, I've just come back from an initial consultation um, uh, with, a, with a lady. So she's a dual citizen, um, you know, European dual citizenship. She's got three children. Um, her and her husband, um, you know, very high profile and very successful um, and, you know, they're, they're thinking about parting ways at the moment. So that has set off a whole domino effect for her. Yes. Uh, so, you know, you know, looking at, so she's always had a bit of an online business that's probably been a little bit more of a hobby up until now. And, you know, she's really looking now at how she can take that business to the next level. So, you know, sometimes you've got to kind of understand the full picture because you're going to tackle that that person's situation and and help them with that progression and that pathway in a different way, depending on what the circumstances are or what the precursors are to that person wanting to make that change. Yeah, because somebody being made redundant, for example, Mm -hmm. through a situation like that, it's it most of the time could be a blessing in disguise, Um, and it's and sometimes it actually takes something like that because I mean, analogy I'll give, and I, this is what I talk to about with my clients when they're, you know, working and they're thinking of starting up their own business or, and normally it's just even still doing what they do now, but just for themselves, it's taking that leap because you're literally going sometimes from, if you work for someone, a consistent income, a salary, some certainty to no certainty and potentially less or more income. So, and it's like being uh, the analogy I'll use is it's like being on top of a cliff and it's just taking the jump because yes. sometimes you look over and you're like, you know, it, it, the picture doesn't look too pretty from the top, <laughs> but um, once you've jumped or, you know, pushed over yes, in this situation, it could normally pay off. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15 minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. 
um, you know, you asked me earlier about my career and haven't probably answered you yet. So when I um, first graduated as a psychologist, I worked in a a global kind of recruitment and and leadership development type of business. Uh, And we had two arms of the business. So we did, um, you know, the the leadership assessment and development, the talent management side of things, but we also did um, career counselling and outplacement, right? So when people made redundant and helping them along that career path and journey and what you said about it being a blessing in disguise, I think, you know, by the time we all finished our, our program with these people, like more often than not, that was exactly the type of things they were saying, you know, because they might have been in the same career for 20 years and maybe thought that they there was never anything else they could do, right? Yep. But, you know, because they were forced into this situation, they had to look inwards, they had to explore their transferable skills, they had to push themselves themselves out of that comfort zone and you know more often than not they're like if we weren't forced into this situation by this redundancy um or this you know whatever macro force came into their industry we probably would have never changed and never known that we had all this other you know potential in us so what can be a really sad situation where people can feel angry or really lost can actually really turn um and flick the switch and kind of turn into a very positive and enriching type of experience for people um you know if if you can manage it with them in the right way and kind of help them see the bright side of things because i'll come back to saying it again it's you know the power is you know within us it's all from within and our mindset and the way we view these um the things that happen to us yes and sometimes i'd say that yeah you most of us probably actually need that push most of us probably wouldn't make the change um unless we were forced to in, especially when it comes to career and, you know, especially depending on how long somebody has been doing something for. And I, as well, I know this for a fact because I see it regularly, but somebody that's normally older that has more to lose, um, is normally more scared to make the change. Mm -hmm. For example, somebody that's in their twenties, you know, when I was in my twenties, I could literally, I wouldn't care what I failed at because I I could live off bread and water and I was living at my parents' house still. And I could easily adapt if I had to. Whereas as we get older, we've got children and a mortgage and, you know, all these extra things, I guess the risk becomes higher. Mm -hmm. And as a financial advisor, I help my clients with, you know, planning these things out, like having a surplus, having an emergency cash flow, you know, for the bad months, if not bad years potentially. Um, And I guess from your side of things, you help people, to make sure that they are heading along the right track and maybe that they've considered the things that they should be considering. Absolutely. And I think similar to what you're saying, it's really important for me to understand their bigger picture because I can't be advising them down one track. If, as you're saying, that means they've got to take a massive pay cut and then they can't support their family, that wouldn't be probably the best approach for that person. Um, So just like financial planners, you know, assess someone's appetite for risk. And those kind of things, I suppose I would do a similar type of thing um, when I'm meeting someone and getting to know them. Yes, that's so true. As in like how much risk can they afford to take? Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, you're right. It's And and why do people take this risk? Like um, for me, from research that I've seen, and obviously you'd know know all about this, but I think half the reason people choose change jobs um, is for better pay. But I feel like the other half of it is to have – is to be happy in what they do and have the work-life balance. Would you say one is more important than the other, generally speaking? Um, Or would you say that they're probably, if you had to survey 100 people, you'd probably come back 50-50? So it's really interesting. So what the research says is that once we have a sufficient amount of money, 
it no longer becomes a strong motivator for us, okay? So once you've got enough, it really isn't going to turn you on that much more, right, once you've hit a certain level of comfort. The only exception to that is, say, your top 10% high performer who is really driven, he's got he or she has a... um, uh, we call it in psychology a promotion focus. Um, so very strong drive to achieve. So these people love to work towards targets and love to exceed targets. Um, and with those those types, and that ten percent of the population, they are still very motivated by money, even when they've got enough of it to live comfortably. Right. So those people, um, you need to keep sticking financial rewards in front of them. To, yep. to keep them motivated and for, for performance. However, as you're saying, the other 90% of us, we're motivated by other things, things like um, work-life balance and that work-life balance and that flexible work arrangement that looks different for everyone. So yep. I've also worked in that space in corporate um, and I love that space. I worked in that, you know, working from home space and how to ha- how to make that happen in organizations, how to support women, um, you know, during um, the transition to motherhood and, you know, keep their career going at the same time and, you know, what that, that flexible work arrangement looks like for people well before COVID hit. Um, so I just think COVID's been such a great thing in that regard is that now people are much more in control of their lives a lot of you know in some ways in terms of the way they work and in terms of the way that they can incorporate work into their lives so yeah coming back to what you're saying yeah money is a motivator um to the extent that we can make enough of it to make ourselves live comfortably over and above that we're looking for for those other motivators that that you spoke about work-life balance um creating the life that that we want that we want, yeah, because this is something I talk to clients again about regularly, and I'm sure you do as well. But you know, it's it's very interesting. There's this concept. I'm going to call it an old concept. You know, that there's this concept of let's work really hard um, to put away as much money as we can into our super. Let's invest. Let's save. Let's pay off the mortgage. Because you know what? When I'm 60, when I retire, I want to be able to. I want to be comfortable. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to do the things that I want to do, that I've worked hard for 50 years for, right? And the new, the, the other concept, and I'll call this the newish concept, at least from my perspective, yes. you know, and this is probably something that's evolved as I got older, uh, you know, as of, but the, the other side of, the other way to look at it is, hold on a second, why would you want to wait 50 years to have a happy life or to have a life that you enjoy when you can sort of have the best of both worlds now, you know, because, um, yes, career is important. Money is important because, you know, food doesn't appear on the table magically and bills don't get paid by themselves. But at the same time, if you could sort of do something that you really enjoy that gives you work-life balance, yes, you're earning slightly less, could be $20,000 a year less, thirty grand a year. It could be literally half the pay. But if you're doing something that you love, something that allows you to spend time with your wife and children um, or husband and, you know, children and something that gives you satisfaction every day when you finish work, then why don't you just have that instead, you know? And I don't know if you've got much to say on this topic, but it's personally, it's a realization I've come to, I think in the last five, 10 years, I've always loved what I do, but it's, I think when you having children changes a lot of, it it sort of puts things into perspective. Yes. But uh, do you have anything to add to that or? Yeah. So, so you mean kind of the rise of people looking at their lifestyle in terms of the big picture 
with work and how to incorporate work into life as opposed to working for many years so you can live later on. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think it's like yeah, living and working now instead of just working like crazy to one day live. Yes, basically. absolutely. And I think, yeah, people embrace that in different ways. So quite interesting. So, you know, the book that I mentioned to you earlier, um, the author of that book talks about living her life in seven-year cycles and her and her yeah. husband take six months off every seven years and they take their, their kids on an adventure somewhere so the kids get exposure to a different way of life and it wow. gives them a break. Um, so then they can kind of go into the next iteration of what they want their work and their lifestyle to look at. So, wow. um, yeah, you know, I think that's a really interesting. Like resetting your life. Yes. And I think that helps people keep focused and keep motivated and keep going through the hard times, right, when you know that that yep. payoff is going to come, you know, much sooner than a lifetime. Yes. Do you, do you have much to add to the point of something you just mentioned about how we've been raised? Because, um, for example, I'm sure there's different types. There's yeah. the, the way we're raised influences, you know, what we want and how much risk we're willing to take and can sometimes determine or in a way, you know, dictate what someone's career is going to be. But do you have much to add to that side of things? Is yeah. it a struggle that sometimes people have to battle with? I think so too. Like, you know, so you you will probably be familiar with money mindset, you know, and different mindsets people yes. have around money. And that is obviously heavily influenced by our parents and our upbringing. Um, yep. So, Michael, you might be similar to me in that maybe, um, you know, raised by parents from overseas uh, who, um, so my father's born um, overseas in Greece, my mother's born here, but to Greek parents. Um, so I suppose um, my my background is that my father worked seven days a week for 35 years um, and just, you know, lived to work. And, yes. you know, that was very much, he kept reminding my brothers and I of that very often. And, you know, the importance of hard work and establishing yourself and building for the future. And then it was really interesting when we started going to uni and we'd say, oh, Dad, we're so tired, you know, been studying so much and, you know, just so much mental drain. And, you know, my my dad worked in the delicatessen, so he worked very long hours on his feet all day. Um, So it was very hard for him to understand that concept of hard work when people were getting dressed up and sitting in front of a computer, going for coffee meetings and, you know, just a totally different style of work. Um, in order yes. to get success. So, so yeah, I think we're really heavily influenced by that. And, um, you know, even coming from a female perspective of being raised in a very traditional environment like that, but then kind of hitting the modern world and you're thinking, you know, yes, I want to be a mother and a wife, but I also love the career that I have and I can contribute, right? And I'm going to be a better role model. I'm going to be a happier person if I can maintain both of those things in my life and I can find um, or grow with a supportive partner, right? That, that helps me yeah. on that journey as well. So I'm really actually interested in the financial planning side of things. I've seen a lot of a focus on females and you know financial planning if you you start off you know a couple of years ago when there was a real look into superannuation of of women uh, and how that's been affected in the past during their maternity leave and and not having access to super um, or just women not always being a partner or being in control of their financial futures Um, so yeah I think it's such an interesting area and we're just we're always evolving aren't we and we're always changing Yeah, we are. We are. And and I could not agree with you more on that topic. Like it's, yeah. So we we have to just, each person listening to this, 
that is thinking of making a career change, I really do want them to take into account a lot of what you said, especially the part about barriers, um, expectations of parents or even expectations of partners as well, um, and to take that all away. And if somebody is listening to this and they're like, okay, I need to make a change, I've hated what I do, or I've been always wondering if there's something better that I should be doing, what would you say the first step is? Um, and how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, look, I think you've always just got to do it in terms of start exploring that idea, right? So if you yep. hear that little voice inside of you that's just not going away um, and that just keeps kind of knocking at the door saying, you know, this isn't quite it for me. There's something else that I want to do. I'd say listen to that voice and don't shut it down, right? So I think start start researching online, start connecting or you know check out Instagram check out LinkedIn find people who are you know doing the type of thing that you think you want to do and start extending your network a little bit right find a book that really speaks to you Um, and yeah I think it's always good if you want to work with a guide or a coach Um, so so with myself Michael what I find most commonly is people can just um you know have a really good look on my website and just send me an online inquiry form Um, they can have a complimentary chat with me um, and then, you know, if they're ready and if they're at the, the stage where they're, they're ready for a consultation and they're ready to make some concrete changes, um, you know, I work with people on a session-by-session session type approach. You don't have to book into any kind of uh, ongoing commitment with me because I find that everyone is at their own kind of different stage of the journey. So, yes. you know, some people are very independent, so they might need to have an initial meeting with me and then not see me again for another two months. Um, other people might want a little bit of hand-holding in the first couple of weeks right um so it's a different journey for everyone and that's my role as a professional is to um you know and I'm I'm governed by an ethical code as a registered psychologist I've always got to look out you know like you guys are regulated at financial planners you know we've got to look out use our professional expertise to go what is going to be best for this person um and that's what really motivates and guides me so yeah just just reach out and start a conversation it, these things, the change happens one conversation at a time. Okay, perfect. And I'll put your website in the description of this podcast show so people, they can click on it if they need to and would like to get in contact with you. So something else you just maybe think of is there's an analogy that I have. And again, some of my friends used to laugh at me because they say, Michael, you've got an analogy for everything. <laughs> and what makes it funny is that 80% of the time they don't actually make any sense. But I really like this one in that it's, it's that, you know, jobs, it's a very similar to relationships. You know, it's, they're like a pair of shoes. You know, if, if, if something doesn't feel like it's a good fit, um, you can ignore it. But over time, the uncomfort just gets bigger and bigger or the issue just becomes mm-hmm. bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. It can sometimes actually cause problems. So, you know, like what you just said, if somebody's in a job and they even have a small inkling um, or there's, there's a feeling that they're getting that they shouldn't just ignore it and that they should potentially, you know, explore it. They may not do anything with it, but I'm sure they're better off at least exploring the idea and thinking about it than just ignoring it and moving on. And, oh, absolutely. You know. I think it's so important, you know, it's having respect for yourself and acknowledging that, you know, you know, you know, we know what's best for us and that we've yep. got that inbuilt instinct and, you know, BS detector and, and we know and if we're, you know, you, you've got to, that's why this wave of mindfulness and, you know, all of that stuff because that's about like, making sure you stop and take the time to kind of listen to what's going on for you and, you know, yeah. where, where you need to, to go and changes that you need to make. So, yeah, I couldn't yeah. agree with uh, you more. Uh, and, and one last thing with all my episodes, I like to finish off with a dad joke. Yes. Um, and this one couldn't be more fitting to what we're talking about, but why did the bloke have to quit his job 
at Ford after installing mufflers. Why? It was just too exhausting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like that one, Michael, and you know that I didn't yeah. mention it yet, but I do work a lot. I work with some global car brands. I really like that one. I feel oh, okay, like I sweet. could actually use your dad joke. Do you give me permission oh, to use your dad joke? Uh, 100%. 100%. No royalties <laughs> needed. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, thank you so much for your time, Um Eleni Drakakis, really appreciate it. Um, And I'm sure everyone listening to this got so much value out of it. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.